Welcome to Notes from the Backpack, a PTA podcast. This series features real conversations with real experts, real parents, and real educators, so families can get the real behind-the-scenes story on what's happening in education. Get the inside scoop on how to help your child become successful in and out of school. As parents, we know that your child can sometimes forget to share the notes from their backpack that tell you everything that's happening at their school. That's why we've launched this podcast just for you. Welcome to Notes from the Backpack, a PTA podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Notes from the Backpack, a PTA podcast. I am your co-host, Helen Westmoreland, Director of Family Engagement at National PTA. And I'm LaWanda Tony, your co-host and Director of Strategic Communications at National PTA. Today, we're discussing how to talk to kids about gun violence and school safety. National PTA has been advocating for gun reform for decades. Right now, along with their ABCs, kindergartners are singing songs to remind them to run and hide during active shootings. This is our reality. Lockdowns and school shootings have become almost commonplace. More so, many families actually feel comforted knowing that their children and children's teachers are prepared for the worst. But recently, people have begun to question these new school safety measures. The two largest teachers unions just released a statement providing guidance that advocates against active shooter drills for students and teachers. There's a lot at stake with this issue. And parents on both sides of the debate are feeling scared, overwhelmed, and uncertain how to approach this topic with their child. Helen, this topic really hits home for me as a mom. My son came home last year and told me he had a lockdown drill that day. I had no idea it was happening, and I felt totally unprepared to have that conversation with him. That's why today we are welcoming an expert, Dr. Edith Bracho Sanchez, to help us navigate these challenging conversations with our children. That's right. Dr. Edith Bracho Sanchez is a pediatrician and the Director of Pediatric Telemedicine at Columbia University. She is a contributing writer at CNN, where she's written several articles on gun violence and school safety. She also has a podcast of her own, Las Doctoras Recomiendan, where she and her expert guests offer advice in Spanish on children's health. Thank you so much for talking with us today, Dr. Edith. Let's jump right in. Tell us about yourself. How did you get into the medical profession and what inspired you to focus on children? Sure. So nice to be with you guys today. So I am originally from Caracas, Venezuela. I came to the United States when I was 16. I never really thought I was going to be a doctor. There's a lot of people in this world that say, I'm going to be a doctor at a very early age, or I want to be a doctor. That was definitely not me. I was a curious child. I was curious, I think, most of all about people. And then I realized that I was pretty good at the math and science. And then I think eventually the two came together and I chose to go into the medical field. I was not interested at all in working with children when I first joined the medical field. But I think it was the realization that if we are going to actually impact someone's life, it has to happen early. And there were so many instances in my training where I just would stand there and say to myself, what in the world happened to this person, to this adult that led 
led to all of these horrendous things down the line? And why did no one do anything to prevent this? And so slowly but surely, I geared towards pediatrics, really out of that need to do something early. And now, of course, looking back, there's nothing else I would rather do. And I was always meant to do this. That's excellent. Tell us a little bit more about how you began writing for the impact of gun violence, the epidemic on our kids. So I write about a number of issues that impact children, and I think it is undeniable that gun violence and even indirectly preparing for gun violence in this new reality that our children in this country are facing is impacting their health and is impacting their future. And I think parents and teachers are left to figure it out in a lot of circumstances. And so I wanted to really start talking to the leaders in the field and start talking to the people that are sort of going through and helping to design standards and guidance and asking, how are you guys coming up with this guidance? How can we get it out there to parents and to teachers who are having to make these decisions every day? And asking those questions and out of that need to get it out to parents, I landed on writing and now have been applying some of those concepts in my own practice and in my own clinic. Thank you, Edith. You talked about the overwhelming decisions that are facing schools around safety. Could you give us just a little bit of 101? What are some of the most frequently used school safety and gun violence prevention measures that schools are using? And what do those look like when they occur? Sure. So I think a lot of us, when we think about drills and lockdowns, we think about the active shooter drills in which... Unfortunately, and I say unfortunately because this should not be happening in this country at all in this day and age, but unfortunately, schools have contracted or hired outside consultants to come mimic real life scenarios. So that is at one end of the spectrum, these active shooter, real life simulations that are happening with the help of outside contractors. And we've heard stories of teachers and students being lined up and shot with pellet guns and the sword. At the other end of the spectrum, I think, are the everyday measures that we don't necessarily realize or don't necessarily categorize as school safety, but I call it the hardening of schools. When I went to school and I went to high school as soon as I got to this country and I don't really remember a police officer in my school. I think there were trained school professionals who had the expertise to navigate a crisis and talk down students and do the sort of everyday crisis management that students that are seasoned have been trained to do. And I think more and more we have moved in this country towards placing the police officers, the metal detectors, so those hardening measures. So that is at the other end of the spectrum, the everyday subtle little hardening of schools. And I think in between those two spectrums are the fire drills, the lockdown drills that are not necessarily real life scenarios, but are nevertheless present and active part of school preparation, I should say. That's so interesting, the range and how vast the different safety protocols are. Is there a best practice when it comes to school safety protocols, especially from a children's health perspective? I often encourage people to take a step back and think about who is being affected by these practices, right? And I think we need to remember that it's both children and teachers who are affected by practices. I think it's easy for people to realize that 
kids come to school with varied levels of skills and abilities. And some kids are ready to roll and they're ready to learn and do whatever task is at hand. Some kids need a little bit of help, right? Like that's an easy concept to grasp. I think when it comes to trauma, we don't always realize which one of the kids has been exposed to some underlying trauma or even which one of the teachers has been exposed to some underlying trauma. We are impacting both children and teachers. And we need to remember that when it comes to best practices, we need to think about the teacher and the student who is coming to school with underlying trauma because of domestic violence, because of neighborhood violence, because of any violence that they have been exposed to prior to coming to school. And we need to think about how do we best nurture that student and how do we prevent the triggering of trauma in that student? And then how do we prevent trauma in students who otherwise haven't really been exposed to it? And so with that in mind, then we can get into, okay, how do we best assign these programs? And I think something that has really resonated with me in speaking with people around the country who work on these issues every single day is we forget to include the students and the teachers. So we have to start by asking, what makes you feel safe? And ask the students themselves, the kids who are spending every day in that school, in that environment. And then from there, we can bring in the experts. We can bring in the expert security people. We can bring in the mental health professionals and work together. And then ultimately, when we create things like lockdown drills and we design these activities, we do need to come up with rules. And that's what the statement that you guys mentioned at the beginning that the two largest teachers unions just put out recently It's that guidance when it comes to lockdown drills and active shooter drills. And it says there should be no simulations that mimic real life events. Parents and teachers need to be given advance notice. The content of the drill has to be developmentally appropriate. The drill should be coupled with trauma-informed approaches to ensure that students' well-being is being preserved. And that includes things like giving students a chance to debrief. Like after the events, let's create safe spaces. And then I would stress again, including them in all of this planning. Yeah, I think those are great ideas. I didn't think about the teacher as much as I thought about my child and the students and how they're affected. But I think that that makes perfect sense. I mentioned at the top of the podcast that I just felt so taken aback when Caleb came home and he said, Mom, we had a lockdown drill. And when they say code blue, everyone has to be quiet and get under their desk. And I was really scared. And I didn't know how to ask another question without feeling like, am I making this a big deal? Am I going to make him more fearful if I continue to ask questions? I was just so unprepared for how to ask the questions to someone who hasn't dealt with any trauma. Can you talk a little bit about that? What advice would you give to a parent like me to address the school and then to also address my child? I'm so glad you bring that up and I'm so glad that you're sharing your own experience because I think your experience is one that I have heard in interviewing parents across the country and in my own clinic. It's sort of like the shock of like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this was going to happen and my child is actually affected by this. What do I do? So I think 
ideally, when I say parents should be given advance notice, it's really, I mean, on February, whatever, March, whatever, we are planning a lockdown drill. Your child will be asked to do X, Y, Z, right? That is very explicit time, dates, specifics of the drill need to be given to parents. And I think if your school, for you and for anyone who's listening, if your school doesn't do that, you have every right to ask, right? Like, hey, I'm a little bit concerned or I'd like to be involved. Even just saying that, I'd like to be involved when you guys are planning these things. I don't see why a school would not welcome that. And I hope that they do. And if they don't, then we have other issues. That is something that the school (laughs) should be welcoming of. And parent engagement is always something that schools want and strive for. So I don't see any downside to doing that. But then if you find yourself in that position, and many parents do, I think it's taking a step back and listening. And I'm so glad your child told you that. So many kids don't say anything. So you have Mm -hmm. already done something right because your child is coming to you and saying, hey, at school we did X, Y, Z. And I was scared. He -hmm. knows the name of the emotion. He knows to tell you that something happened. And you can start the conversation from that. And even just simple questions. I think parents just like you mentioned, are scared to, oh my gosh, am I making it a big deal? Or am I going to create even further trauma by just asking him? And the answer is absolutely not. Just like when we ask kids about other emotions, like when we ask kids about depression, when we ask kids about other hard topics, asking doesn't put it in their head. I think there's so frequently that fear, but it Mm -hmm. is absolutely unfounded. And I just want to empower you to keep that conversation and keep asking, oh, what happened? How did you feel? And then if they tell you I was scared, our urge as adults is to say, don't be scared. Mm -hmm. But try not to say, don't be scared. Kids are going to be what they are. I think you can tell them why you are not scared. Like, oh, well, gosh, your school is such a safe space, that type of language, but allowing them to sort of own their emotions. Mm. Edith, Luanda and I have talked about this as it relates to her son, but I think it also brings up for me just this feeling as a parent or a guardian of a child that maybe the school does know best. And you mentioned some of the spectrum of things that schools are doing to prevent gun violence from actively simulating what it might be like to be in a mass shooting to sort of what Luanda's son has gone through, which is more of a lockdown drill. And then you talked about sort of the hardening with police officers. Could you give our listeners a little bit of your expertise being a pediatrician on what the research says of these different things? Because I'm assuming when you hear the teachers unions say like, we shouldn't do this, but we should do this, that there's some research behind it. Could you equip some of our families? Should they They just feel like, why is our school doing this? It's not a good practice to help them decide and advocate for what they think is right. Unfortunately, I wish (laughs) I wish I had data and studies to share with you. And this is the scary part about all of this is that we have no data. And to schools that are left to do whatever they can to prepare, I can't imagine this being easy. So I think we do know from speaking to families around the country and speaking to experts in trauma that we are starting to trigger some trauma in children. I think that is not really here being debated in any 
way, I think the question is, how do we not? How do we not trigger trauma? Until we figure out the best practices, we can at a minimum not trigger trauma. So your school may be experimenting, although I hate that word when it comes to children and best practices, but they may be seeing what works and working with expert companies. And I think it's on us, the adults, to understand where that expert guidance is coming from. Because some of these companies, again, because there is no data, are sort of using experts' advice. And so we have to really educate ourselves on who are these experts and what is their true expertise. Can we shift gears just a little bit? We sent a note out to our listeners just asking them if they had any questions about school safety and gun violence, and they gave us a couple scenarios. Are you okay with us throwing out the scenarios and you providing some advice or recommendations? Of course. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) Let's do it. So here's one. It says, I'm a parent of a third grader. I receive an email home that the school is doing their first lockdown drill of the year tomorrow. What, if anything, should I say to my child so they are prepared? That's such a great question. So start with saying, do you know where lockdown drill is? Mm -hmm. I think kids sometimes know a lot more than we realize. So start by asking, what do you know about lockdown drills? What have you heard? And that gives you a sense. That gives you a really good sense sometimes of what they have heard from TV, from their schools, from social media, whatever it may be. And then from there, you can build, right? You can correct and you can build. You can say, no, actually, this is what a lockdown drill is, or this is what you can expect to happen at school. And then we'll talk about it tomorrow. I think a lot of times parents think that this is a one-time, fit-it-all-in type of conversation. And really, it isn't. This is something that you're building Mm -hmm. on every day. You're going to have the chance. I'm glad that this mom is going to have the chance to talk to her third grader beforehand. And then when the third grader comes home the day of the lockdown, you can revisit the conversation and the day after if necessary. So it's an ongoing conversation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I've got a question that came in from the father of a seventh grader saying that his son was asking a lot of questions about school shootings and expressing fear that one might happen at his school. So the father wanted to know, how do I comfort my child and ease their anxiety about how realistic it is that their school shooting will happen while still being honest? Yeah. And I love that this parent is striving for honesty because honesty is always important with our kids, but it becomes even more important when we have teenagers. Parents sometimes think that teens are not coming to them for advice, but truly you are the main source of information for your teen. And if at any point you lie, you sort of lose a little bit of credibility and respect. So with honesty in mind, I think it is fair for this parent to say to this seventh grader, school shootings are a reality in our country these days. However, they are still extremely rare when we look at the numbers and when we look at the percentage of schools that have been affected. So you can say it is extremely unlikely that your school will be affected by this. Possible, and it is a reality in our country, but extremely unlikely. And these are the steps that your school has taken. And that is where being educated beforehand on the steps that the school has taken may come in handy. And then saying, are you scared? Or what are you feeling about this? And again, fighting that urge to correct the emotion. 
And do you have any advice particularly around what this parent could offer their child to ease their anxiety, just living in that sense of fear? What are some things parents could do if their child is scared to go to school? Yeah. So I think anytime we are uncertain and fearful about something that we have no control over, and this is one of those situations that we just simply can't control all of the time, I think focusing on the things that are under our control, like saying it is on us and it is on the school to create an environment that allows people who need help to get help. Let us work together as a community, parents and teens and everyone else in the school to create an environment where anyone who may be in crisis can ask for help. And focusing on those things that do work, by the way, those things are, we talked about the reactive measures to sort of shield the school and protect the school and how little data we have. We do have data that allowing kids to sort of express the need when they're in a crisis and responding to crisis appropriately is actually helpful. So I would encourage parents to say, again, emphasize how unlikely this is. Let's focus on the things that we can control. And among those things that we can control is this environment that we are creating in school. That's great. We have one more scenario for you. Sure. It states, my child's kindergarten class does lockdown drills twice a year. I want to take them out of school on those days so they don't have to go through this experience so young. What are your thoughts on this approach? Am I overreacting? Hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm listening to this and I'm sort of torn. On the one hand, I understand the need to protect your child and keep your child from going through an experience that may be traumatic for them. But on the other hand, I think your child needs to know what to do if there's ever an emergency at school and not just a shooting, but any emergency in school. And so I think rather than pulling your child out, what I would recommend is that you work with the school and really, really ask them to explain and to tell you, again, who the experts are that they're bringing in and how this is developmentally appropriate. And I think as a parent, the beauty of this is you know what is appropriate for your child developmentally. I can know as an expert and whatever consultant the school is bringing in can know as an expert, but you know best what your child can and cannot handle. And I think asking in advance, how have you guys created and designed these drills and are they developmentally appropriate and show me would be the best approach here because mm -hmm. you can weigh in. Yeah, I like that approach. And I kind of need you in my back pocket when I go to school, <laughs> when I send emails, like we have to figure that out. This has been really yeah. great. I appreciate all the great advice that you've shared. Of course. Yeah. One of my takeaways from what you've been sharing, Edith, is just the importance of both being honest and prepared, but also, like you said, wanting to be developmentally appropriate and protecting your child from any unnecessary trauma. What about you, Luanda? What are you taking away? Yeah, all of that. <laughs> I think that it's just really being honest with your child, like you said, yeah. having that conversation and letting them know that it's okay to have these feelings and that keeping the environment open to share, I think is super important and feeling empowered to go into the school and ask the questions that you talked about. Yeah. Those are the takeaways that I got from it. 
Absolutely. So, Edith, we want to thank you and give you a last opportunity to share one thing that you really want parents to take away from today's conversation that they could start applying right now with their own school or child. Sure. So thank you so much for having me today. I would say if you take nothing else away from this is you really, really should feel empowered to go in and ask questions and weigh in because you are such an important part of this team. You're an important part of the team when you come see me in clinic in my office. You're also an important part of the team when it comes to school protocols. And I just don't want parents to ever forget that. And you mentioned some guidance that's out there on best practices around school safety and gun violence prevention. Are there any places or resources if parents want to learn more you would encourage them to check out? Sure. So I love the healthychildren.org website from the American Academy of Pediatrics. There is advice there on language that is appropriate for every age for talking about events that are difficult. And the Academy may be coming out soon or soonish with more clear guidance when it comes to how schools should be preparing. Great. Thank you for that. And before I turn over to Loana to help us wrap, tell us if our listeners want to follow you and learn more about your work, where are your social media handles and where can they go to learn more from you? Yes, I am on Twitter as doctora with an A at the end, doctor with an A at the end, underscore Edith. And then I would just share brief plug for my podcast, Las Doctoras Recomiendan, which is in Spanish. And it is all about health and guidance for families with children who speak Spanish. So if you or someone you know is someone who may be interested in learning more about child health in Spanish, it's Las Doctoras Recomiendan. Awesome. Thank you so much, Edith, for joining us today. We really appreciate all the great conversation that we were able to have on this great topic. That wraps up today's episode. But before you go, be sure to check out our website, notesfromthebackpack.com to stay in the know. And follow us on social at National PTA and use hashtag Backpack Notes to join the conversation. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to Notes from the Backpack a PTA podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at National PTA and online at pta.org forward slash backpack notes.